Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Uh, this past week, <clears throat> I was talking to um, our youngest son, who is our middle child, who's now actually seven years old. His birthday was Monday, which was pretty cool. And we were talking, in some kind of way, we started talking about how his three-year-old sister, when she gets a little bit older, will be at the same school as him. And he was trying to wrap his mind around the fact that, wait, no, there's not three-year-olds at my school. And I was like, I know, but she's going to get older, and then y'all be at the same school. And when he finally got it, we started, I don't know how, but we started talking, and, and we had the conversation of, now, when your sister is in school with you, you have an obligation. I am telling you that you have to make sure that you watch out for her, that you protect her. And his eyes kind of got big like, Dad, I don't know if you know how I interpret that. Like, he, he's thinking, like, okay, so if somebody says something to my sister, I punch them in the face. Like, that's just how he thinks. And we're looking at each other, and we're having this silent communication, like, Dad, um, I don't know if I can protect her. And I'm like, you better protect her. Like, that's what you do. That's, you're the older brother. You protect your little sister. And he says to me, he, we, we never get to the point where he's like, I'm going to punch somebody, but we both know what we're talking about here. And, and he says to me, he says, Dad, but if I protect her, I'm going to get suspended from school for a week. Now, we haven't, had to, like, we, haven't, we haven't said what the elephant in the room or the elephant in this conversation is, but we both know. And I said, Josiah, I said, let me tell you something. If you protect your sister and you get suspended from school that week, we will go to Chuck E. Cheese, we'll go to the trampoline park, we'll go to the movies, we'll eat at McDonald's every day. It will be the best week of your life. But if somebody messes with your sister and you don't protect her, you may not get in trouble at school, but I promise you this, you will be in trouble at home. And so I think we got it. I think we're on the same page with that. I think he's actually looking forward to the opportunity of, of, of protecting his little sister. If you're in Genesis chapter 4, um, we're, we're going to read a, a very famous passage of Scripture. And, uh, and, and this has become famous whether you're in church or, or out of church. But in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve have already been created. They've already sinned and done what God told them not to do. And then um, they, they have already had children. They have, we've told they've had Cain and Abel. And so you have Cain and Abel, and, and, uh, and Abel was a, a, um, a shepherd, and, and Cain was a farmer. And so they come to God, and, and they're, they're giving offerings to God, and, 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 uh, and Abel gives God his best offering, and God accepts it. And then Cain kind of gives God the leftovers, and God is not happy with that. And so then Cain becomes angry. He becomes angry at his brother Abel. And then we pick up in verse 8, and it says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. Now, there's a lot of um, commentaries and things that, that, that go a little different directions with this, but basically um, inviting Abel out into the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And so this is the first act of murder. Um, it's Cain and Abel. Many of us know this story. 
And then in verse 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? So God comes to wherever Cain is, and he comes to Cain, and he says, Where is your brother? He says, Where is your brother Abel? Now, again, there's some commentaries that say that this would have been the next, as they celebrated uh, some form of Sabbath, or, 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 um, or some time where they met with God. And, and God is coming, and Cain is there, but Abel is not there. And God is asking Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Now, God's not asking because he doesn't know. God already knows. But God is asking this question to Cain. He's asking, where is your brother? And so then Cain answers, and this is, um, this is where the, the, the famous verse here comes alive. It says, he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, am I, do I have any responsibility to my brother? Am, am I supposed to keep up with my brother? Am I supposed to, now this word keeper is like to guard or protect. Am I supposed to guard? Am I supposed to protect my brother? And, and, and Cain is saying this and asking this to God, um, not because he doesn't know, <laughs> But, but he's asking this out of anger. Some commentaries say he's asking this sarcastically. He's saying, am I my brother's keeper? Like, God, aren't you my brother's keeper? And, and this question is still very um, applicable to us today. It's a question that we need to ask. Am, am I my brother's keeper? Now, now you, you probably did not come in here after murdering your brother or your sister or someone. And if you did... Um, we can pray and God can forgive you. I don't know that we can do anything about the consequences of that, but, but, but you're welcome here as long as you're able to be here. And then once you go where you're going to go, maybe we can come. But that's a whole other thing. Um, but, but, but maybe we didn't come in doing that, but Jesus said, you know, if we take these actions such as murder and we take them to a heart level, then actually we've committed these similar sins in our hearts even if we've never actually acted them out. So maybe you didn't come in here after killing somebody, but you came in here after maybe killing someone with your words or just in your heart. Or maybe that's not even the case, but you get here today and you say, like, am I my brother's keeper? What, what obligations do I have for my brother, for my sister, for those that I live around? Do I have any? Like, God, aren't you the keeper? Aren't you the guard? Aren't you the protector? Aren't you the one that's supposed to make sure that we're all good and we all know what to do and we all accomplish those things that you've called us to do, what we've been talking about over the last several weeks of being empowered to follow Jesus? Like, what part do I have to play in my brother's walk with Christ, in my brother's life in any way, shape, or form? Like, being empowered to follow Jesus, isn't that really just about me? Isn't that really just about what God can and wants to do in me and through me? I mean, last week we talked about how, how Christians can become just obsessed with what God wants to do for them and become indifferent to what God wants to do in them and through them. But is it really all about that? Is this life that God has called you to live and the power that he's given you to live it, is it really just about you? Or do we have some obligation to our brothers and our sisters? Cain here is asking God this, do, do I, am I my brother's keeper? 
Paul speaks a lot to this in the New Testament, his writings. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, he says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 through 27, he says this. He says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He goes on in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. It says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, listen to this, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Abel wasn't where he was supposed to be when God showed up and God asked Cain about it. Think about that. Abel wasn't where he was supposed to be when God showed up. And God asked Cain, where's your brother? Why is your brother not here? Man, this is so good. If you, if you, can, if you can come up higher out of the, the specific story of Cain and Abel and think about your own life, think about, think about your own situations and your own connections and your own relationships. You know, this isn't the only time that this, a question like this was asked. Jesus asked his disciples at one point, he says, who do men say that I am? And he expected them to know the answer. Just like he expected Cain to know the answer. Now, Cain knew the answer because Cain was directly involved in why Abel was not showing up to this meeting with God. <laughs> right? But Jesus was asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they were not directly involved in, in who they thought Jesus was or why they weren't at that time with Jesus and the disciples. But in both instances, God expects these people to know the answer. God expects you and I to know the answers to the questions about the people around us of, are they meeting with God? Do they know who Jesus is? Do they have those connections? God, God has these same expectations that we would be able to know the people that live around us and among us and that we would know their stance either as unbelievers and who they say Jesus is or those that we're walking with and where they stand with Jesus. Abel misses this meeting with God, and the expectation is that not only Cain knew where Abel was, but that Cain would have helped Abel not miss that meeting. Oh, man, this is so good. See, this is one of the things you learn in sports, is that just because nine out of the ten guys show up on time to practice, if one isn't there, the whole team suffers. Like, the coach expects... Everybody to be there on time, ready to go, and if they're not, it's not just that person's fault, it's the whole team's fault. Can I tell you all a story that I'm a little bit ashamed of? It's not really all that, it's kind of bad, but it's not all really that bad. My senior year, um, I had a class that I had to take, and the class ended 15 minutes after practice started. And so practice would start, let's say practice started at 3, the class wasn't over till 3.15, and so at the beginning of the semester, man, as soon as class was over, I would run to the gym, I'd change, I'd get my ankles taped, and I'd get out there and I'd start practicing. Um, well, as the season went on and practice became much more difficult and much more tenuous and not really like 
as important to getting to play. Like the rotation, who got to play was already set, so I was already getting to play. So, and, and it was difficult, especially like for me, practice was always really, really difficult. Um, and for a lot of reasons we don't have time to talk about. But there was one day that class got out early. It got out at like 2.45, and so I had a choice. I could run over there, get ready, be at practice on time with everybody else. Or I could relax for like 30 minutes, which you never get to do in college. <laughs> like, especially if you're playing basketball or football or some sport, you know, like you don't get time to relax. So this class gets out at 2.45. Now, now I'm going to tell you how bad I dreaded practice. The moment that practice was over, I started dreading the next day's practice. Unless we had a game. And the moment the game was over, I didn't usually celebrate a win or anything. I, like I started dreading the next day's practice. That's how much I dreaded this. And, and so this class gets over at 245 and being a good teammate and a good Christian, you know, I sprinted over. No, I didn't. I sat right outside of our classroom on this bench. And I think I sat there and talked to my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, I think. If not her, she'll be in her second service. I may not tell that part. I sat there thinking, I think it was my wife. I sat there talking, and I was just relaxing. I, I, at 3.15, I was getting up, and I was going to practice. But until 3.15, like, I just, I just needed a break. I just needed to relax. At some, like, I just needed to relax. And, and at, at 3.05, I have no idea how this happened. But the head coach comes walking out of this hallway. He should have been in the gym. We were practicing. I don't know why he wasn't in the gym. He comes walking out of the hallway and walks by, and I'm sitting on this bench, and he walks by just like this, and he almost walks right by me, and then he turns around, and he's like, wait, Evan. Oh, man, I turned red. I started sweating. I got so nervous. I was so, oh, man, I just, I'm going to be suspended. I'm going to have to run 100 suicides. I'm gonna, this is horrible. And, he, and he's like, Shouldn't you be at practice? And walks off. So then I run. Like I run a different way. Like I'm, oh, I'm going to practice. I go, I get there, and I'm just waiting on him to like tell me like, oh, man, you're, you're not playing next game, or you're this, or you're that, or get a team together and make some great speech about how Evan's a horrible teammate. You know, all this stuff's going through my mind. And then we finish the practice, and, and, and I'm like, okay, at the end of practice, he's not going to let me go back to the locker room. I'm about to run till I throw up, right? Like this is going to be horrible. We finish practice. I try to sneak out of the practice gym to get to the locker room and I get there and I'm like oh man I made it out I'm like oh man I'm gonna get to the locker room and he's gonna come in there Evan get back out here you know and and I, I change I get and I and I'm out of the gym and I made it through I was like next practice surely I'm gonna get just in next practice and he never said another word about it he never said another word about it in my mind I was like oh man this is over and actually I wish I would have just been punished up front instead of like wondering day after day what that punishment was going to be <laughs> but but I had a meeting in the gym with my team and I didn't show up I missed the meeting here Abel has a meeting with God and he doesn't show up and God expects Cain to know the answer as to why. And, and, and I want to know how you would respond if God asked you where your brother, where your sister is. 
Not, 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 not your physical, natural brother or sister. But those people that you've gotten to know here at this church or just in life or wherever or just in your community, like if God comes to you and says, hey, there was a meeting that I had with them and they didn't show up, why weren't they there? Would you have any idea what God was talking about? Do you know when your brother or sister, let's say in this church, misses Sunday mornings? Do, do you know? Do you recognize? Do you know when your brother or sister misses faith group? Let me, let me take it a step further. Do you know when your brother or sister misses their time of prayer with God? Do you know when, when they miss their devotional time? Because listen, here, here, is, here is one of the, the difficult things about pastoring a church is everybody wants really me to notice when they miss. But very few people are willing to be intentional enough to notice when their brothers or sisters miss. And the truth of the matter is, I'm just, I'm not that good at this. To me, Sundays and Wednesdays, they just keep coming. And there'll be times where I'll come up like, man, hey, so good to see you. And you'll be like, I haven't been here in three weeks. And I'm like, really? I thought I just saw you. Or you might miss one service and, I, and I'll see you and I'll be like, man, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. And you're like, pastor, I was out of town one week and I told you I was going out of town. Like, I'm like, it, it, it all runs together for me. Like, I'm not good at this. And, 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 I, and I understand, like, maybe part of that I need to get better, but is there a part, is it really on me? Or is it on us? Like, let me give you, let me give you, this is, this is clearly, this is a challenging message. I know there's not going to be a lot of amens, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Nobody's getting up and running around the church today. But let me, let me, let me give you a little insight, especially into guys and what we often do. Hey, Minister Femi, man, how's it going, man? Good to see you. Oh, man, good. How are you, man? Oh, good. You know, like I told y'all before, like if it's pastors, then it gets into this weird, like I'm going to one-up you on compliments. Man, you're so, man, look at that vest, man. Those shoes are sweet, man. I wish, I don't have anything like that, man. I wish I was as cool as you. And then, you know, I, I don't know what he would say back. But anyways, we'd go back and forth like that, and we'd get to the end of this conversation, and we'd feel like we were really cool, and we wouldn't have said a thing. We don't say a thing to each other. How you doing? We don't really want to know. And you're not really going to tell us. Oh, man, how's the family? How's the kids? Oh, man, everything's great, man. Really? It's like when I talk to pastors. If you talk to a pastor, man, how's it going with your church? Oh, man, everything's great. God's doing this, and we're growing, and we're growing. Every church is not growing. <laughs> it's not. The statistics actually say quite the opposite that even the churches that are growing aren't growing at the pace of their communities. But you talk to any, like go talk to any pastor in Round Rock. All of us are going, oh man, God's doing amazing things. The church is growing. Really? Really? But we do this too. And we, we never really talk about anything. Now ladies, I don't know, y'all kind of talk more. But I know that, that, that y'all also, also can have long conversations and really not talk about anything. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but you know, if we're going to know where our brother is, if we, are, if we have any obligation to be our brother's keeper, then it's not just, man, Minister Femi, how you doing? It's how are you really doing? And then you pause and let them talk. Because that, that awkward pause will keep them talking until they get to the point where they really tell you how they're doing. How, how, are you, how are you really doing? Or, or, or maybe you could say something like this. What is one area that could be better in your life? 
Because see, what we normally do is say like, man, how can I pray for you? And what I'm really trying to find out is like, man, what's going on? How can I pray for you? Where can I direct those prayers? But even then, it's like, oh, man, well, you know, God's been really good. You could pray for wisdom. You could pray for direction. Pray for my family. I still don't know anything. When you start asking like, what is one area of your life that could be better? Now, all of a sudden, you can still fluff it up and make your life sound amazing. But at least I have a little bit of direction in, in how to really pray for you. Instead of like just how are you doing, like how's your connection with God? How's it going with you and God? Now, again, you start asking Christians these questions, oh, man, it's, it's, oh, man, me and God are good. Oh, man, God is so good. You know, it's, however King James-ified they've been, you know, they may get, you may get more than that. But what if you ask them more detailed questions? Like, what is your routine in prayer and devotion? Like, like man, tell me about, like, when are you getting before God? And when are you reading the word? And, and, and how's that going? Are you sticking with it? Now, that, that becomes a different question. That, that becomes a different level of, of connection. What about how's your marriage? How's it going with you and Timmy? Oh, man, it's great. It's good. We're blessed and highly favored. Yeah, that's, that's amazing, and I'm, I know that you are, but also know that there is not one great example of a marriage in the Scripture. <laughs> and so if I ask you that today, praise God, that's great. If I ask you that tomorrow, and I get the same answer, praise God. If I ask you that every day for the next 365 days, and you give me the same answer every day, then I need you to come teach me and teach everybody because at some point, there has to be some day. There doesn't have to be. But for most of us, there is some day where it doesn't feel blessed and highly favored. It doesn't feel blessed. It doesn't feel high of anything. It doesn't feel any form of favor in there. <laughs> but instead of just, how's your marriage? Like, instead of saying just, how's your marriage? Oh, man, that's great. Like, oh, man, Really? Would your wife, would your husband, would they, would they give the same answer? Because sometimes, you know, well, no, you don't know, and I'm not going to tell you. Here's a good one that, that, I, that, that I, nobody ever asked, at least that I know of, but I think is so important. How's your confidence? How's your confidence? Or you could take it a step deeper. What lie is Satan telling you about yourself right now? Because so many times our walk with Christ goes up and down and left and right really based on our confidence. Satan begins to tell us a lie about ourselves or about our situation or about our future, and we begin to believe it, and we start to lose confidence. And when you start to lose confidence, you don't pray as much, you don't, you don't show up as much, you don't, you don't do the things God has called you to do as much or with as much fervor or with as much, much empowerment. And so God's saying, where is your brother? And you don't really know. Their confidence has been taken. Their confidence has been stolen. It's been robbed from them. And, and you, you're not sure because you're saying, man, how's it going? Oh, good. That's awesome. Man, it's going good with me too. And you move on. What about this? What, what, if you, what if you have relationships where you can get real specific and you say, how's your fight with fill in the blank going? And there's kids in the room because I had all kind of great examples that are now completely inappropriate. But how is your fight with... Lying, gossiping, overeating, faithfulness. How, 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 is that, how is that going? 
And, oh, man, it's going great, man. I'm just, God is so good, and I'll never do those things again. And, man, I just, really, when was the last time? When was the last time that you messed up in that area? Because now, like, I'm putting you in a position where you can't really be vague. Like, you either got to own up or lie. Like, that's, that's the truth. But how are you going to get to the place where you are able to at least even know where your brother is if you, don't, if you don't really know the real deal of what's going on with them? And we're talking about being empowered to follow Jesus. And, and here's, here's here, spoiler alert, <laughs> empowered, being empowered to follow Jesus is not just about the power that God gives you for you or to do things in you. It's the power to be your brother's keeper. It's the power to, to actually empower others to follow Jesus. When you talk about empowering others to follow Jesus, it depends very much on them as to how you do that. If you encounter somebody who doesn't know Jesus, then to empower them to follow Jesus is to start with prayer and praying for them and praying that their eyes would be open, that God would send laborers across their path. And maybe those laborers are you, maybe they're not, but start with praying for them. Because all too often we become just, just complacent and callous when we meet people who don't know Jesus. And we lose sight of the fact that this is literally a heaven or hell issue. This is an eternity issue. This is not just, oh, man, you're, you're a great barista at the Starbucks, and so, man, I just hope we say, like, no. Like, no. Let me tell you a story. When we first started doing faith groups here, I mean, um, when we first started I said, I'm going to lead a faith group, and, and, as, and we'll have faith groups, and we may only have one because I'm going to lead one, and I'll lead mine. And if nobody else does, that's fine. We're going to do it because I see it in the scripture, and I know how valuable it is. And so the first group was a men's group, and we met um, at this breakfast place over here. It's changed names a couple times now, and I don't remember what it was called then. Um, uh, and we met there, and there was a guy who was the manager there, and he would come by and talk to us because we, like, reserved a room. He would come by and talk to us whenever we met. He was a super nice guy. We'd be in there, and we'd tell him, you know, that we were in there as a Bible study, you know, because that's how you describe it. It's not really what it is, but that's how people know it. And we're in there as a bunch of guys, and we come in there. I think it was every other week. And, man, we came in there consistently. And then we came one time, and he wasn't there. No big deal. He's a manager of this restaurant, right? Like, just because he's not there doesn't mean anything. And we come back another time, and he's not there. And, and me or somebody, it might not even be me, we ask, like, hey, where's, where's the manager? Where's so-and-so? We haven't seen him in a while. They're like, oh, you didn't hear? And we're like, no. He got in a car accident two weeks ago and died. And here's 10, 12 of us guys that have been coming, and I'm sitting there, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I never even asked the guy if he knew Jesus. And I started wondering around this table, did any of us? Ask him if he knew Jesus. Did any of us tell him anything about Jesus other than we were there to read our Bibles? Man, that's that stuck with me ever since. Like, like we, but you know what we did? Oh, man, how's it going? Good to see you. Man, thanks for letting us use this space. Oh, and you know, oh, man, y'all, yeah, absolutely, y'all can use it anytime. I think you meant anytime that we paid. But when we'd have these great conversations, and he was a really cool guy, and when he didn't show up, we didn't know why. We, we had no idea. 
We, get, we, we take for granted that these people are going to continue to be here and we can continue to have these conversations and they'll just see my light. Well, they may not have time to see your light. They may need to hear your words. Actually, they don't need to hear your words. They need to hear Jesus' words. They need to hear God's words. So if, if they don't know Jesus, pray for them, love them, and share your faith with them. Share your faith with them. If they do know Jesus, then seek God for ways that he will use you to empower them. So those that you're in contact with, maybe that you go to church with, that are maybe even in your family or, or just become friends with, like ask God and pray for them. How, God, do you want to use me to empower them? And, 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 and man, sincerely go to God and pray for them. Maybe you have to ask them some of those questions that we've said to know how to pray for them. But pray for them. Pray for them. Pray earnestly for them. And then get to know them. See, many times what we do is we want to just jump in with all this scripture that we know or all these things that they should do or, or better yet, all this stuff they should stop doing. And we haven't gotten to know them. Do you know why they do that? Do you know what they think about that? Do you know where they're at in their journey with Christ? Do you know what's happened in their path? Do you know anything about them? you got to get to know these people because they're already following Jesus. God is putting you in a position as he leads you to empower them into those next steps or those next phases. So you need to get to know them. And then you need to empower them after that as God leads you. Now, this is where many Christians get intimidated, right? Like if I say, okay, pray for, pray for your neighbors. Okay, we can pray for our neighbors. That's good. I'm good with that. Even get to know your neighbors. Uh, okay, I can get to know them. But now that you've prayed for them and you've gotten to know them and you know they follow Jesus, now empower them. Reach out. Teach them. Lead them. Show them. Ah, oh, man. That gets really intimidating really quickly. Like, I don't really know how to do that. I don't have Genesis to Revelation memorized. I haven't been to Bible school. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. But God doesn't expect you to be able to give them everything from Genesis to Revelation. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here Paul is telling Timothy, hey, take what you've heard me teach and preach and give it to other men. Specifically so those other men can take it and give it to other men. And this continues and continues and continues. See, we are to empower others to follow Jesus so that then they can not only be empowered, but then they can go and empower others to follow Jesus who will then go and be empowered and follow others to follow Jesus. And this continues as a cycle for really until Jesus comes back. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, um, Jesus said, all authority or all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we stop right there. But in verse 20, Jesus says this, teaching them, those that you're making disciples of, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is not expecting you to know everything about everything, to always have all the answers. As a matter of fact, if you always have all the answers, the people that you always have the answers for, they're going to become a little weary of you. You know those people who always have all the answers? Like everything, they know exactly what, like at some point you're like, man, there's something really fake about this. There's something really arrogant about this. There's something that, at least for me, let me be honest, turns me off about this. Like if you know everything about everything, 
come on. Come on. I'm not talking about somebody like, like Chris who knows everything about everything naturally speaking or, or, you know, Lonnie who's like super brilliant. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like you always know the answers to what I should do and what God is thinking and what, and what I should. Like, come on. Really? Like you, you, you always know that every time? Really? Do you know where I get the most respect from people? And this, this blows my mind. Is whenever I'll say, you know what? I don't really know. People are like, but you're a pastor. Oh, man, I love you because you're real. I'm real because I'm not smart. <laughs> I'm real because I didn't pray about that this morning or because I forgot that. Like, okay. But the genuineness of I don't have every answer. You don't have every answer. We do more harm as Christians when we try to act like we have answers that we don't have than simply saying, you know what, I don't have the answer. And here's what you could say. I don't have the answer. Let's pray about it, and then let's talk again. Let me have some time to pray and do some research, talk to my pastor, talk to whatever, and, and then let's talk again. And people will respect that. But when you throw something out there that they know you don't know what you're talking about, you know you don't know what you're talking about, just to give them an answer, because we should always be ready with an answer for every person who asks. I got that. But sometimes you weren't ready. There's times to fake it till you make it. And that's not one of them. You don't have to know everything. God simply needs us to give others what he has given to us. We do this with things that we get excited about. I've heard so much about these movies that have come out lately. And I don't even know anything about Marvel or superhero. Like, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about all that. But apparently one just came out. It was not good. And another one's coming out. It's supposed to be really good. I don't, I don't even know. Why? Because we get excited about something. We like something. We, we'll tell everybody. You, you may not know all the Marvel movies or all the comics. You may not even read any of the comics. But you like something. You get excited about something. You'll tell them what you know. This movie was good. This movie was not good. Listen, anybody who's ever seen This Is Us, they're going to tell you what they know. Right? That show will change your life. <laughs> Man. Hold on, I just need a minute because the whole father kid, like the best father on TV ever. And like, okay, but, 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 like you, you'll tell people why. You don't even know what's going to happen. You don't even know all of it, but you're going to tell them, you're going to give them what you have. But then when it comes to the things of God, I don't know what they'll think. I don't know how they'll respond. I don't know if I'll have all the answers. Listen, you don't know how This Is Us is going to end. It's never going to end. This thing is going to be on TV until there is no more TV, until Jesus comes back. You don't know how that's going to end. You don't have all the answers. You, you don't know Jack's whole story. But you'll tell people about This Is Us. Y'all watch This Is Us, right? Mm. Know your audience, Pastor. Let me, give you, let me give you another another key point to empowering others to follow Jesus. If you get in connection with somebody and you're, you're empowering them to follow Jesus and God's using you in this way, there is going to come a point where they will fall. Maybe it won't be a big fall. Maybe it won't be a hard fall. But there will be points where we, we fall. We all fall and we all miss it. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We talked about this actually over the last couple of weeks. 
Whenever you're in this type of relationship, connection with somebody where you're empowering them to follow Jesus, or you're in that relationship with somebody who's empowering you to follow Jesus, be the person that they can confess their sins to. Be the person that they can trust enough to confess their sins to. Because James is telling us there is healing and there is power when we come together and we're willing to confess to each other and pray for each other. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much, a King James says. But this prayer, this power is available, but too many Christians aren't willing to share their faults and confess their sins. Because unfortunately as Christians what we do is we'll, we'll shoot our own wounded. We'll, we'll kick you when you're down. We'll judge you when you're judging yourself. And, and, and we know that, and so we won't share our difficulties because if I'm already struggling with my confidence, if I'm already struggling knowing how I messed up, what I don't need is for you to bombard me with how I've done that. What I need is somebody that I can trust to confess to that will pray for me and, it, and, and, and empower me through this prayer and through this power that God makes available for me to get back up. Be somebody that will pick them back up, not push them back down. Ecclesiastes 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 10 says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, you who think you're spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And listen to this in James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We have an obligation to be our brother's keeper, to know where they are, to know if they're missing meetings with God, and then to empower them to show up to these meetings with God. Empower them to, to follow Jesus and do what he's called them to do. All of us, every single one of us, no matter how young or how old, we all need three relationships to be spiritually healthy. And I'm talking about three relationships down here on earth. Really, you could say four because you need the relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. But down here, we need three relationships. We need at least one person that is going to empower us to follow Jesus. We need at least one person that we are empowering to follow Jesus. And we need at least one person where we're empowering others to follow Jesus. You may have heard it said discipleship. There needs to be at least one person you're discipling, one person discipling you, and one person where you guys are sharpening each other, you're helping each other. You have that horizontal relationship. If you do not have those three relationships, those three connections, at least one person in each one of those categories, then you are missing out on a level of spiritual health. This is the way God has designed. If we're to go and make disciples of all nations, if we're to share what God has given us and that person is to share it with others, then this cycle, we should be in this cycle. And we, as long as we're here, we never arrive to the point where we know everything, where we need no accountability, where we need no prayer, where we need nobody else, where we, God has said, okay, now you've made it. Now you just live on your own on this island. Or you just live blessing other people, discipling other people, empowering other people, and you no longer need any help. Yes, the Holy Spirit is our help. God is with us. He never leaves us. God is our protector. But he clearly instructs us to also be our brother's 
keeper. In verse 10, let me close with this in Genesis chapter 4. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. God is asking Cain here, what have you done? What have you done? You've not empowered your brother. You don't even know where he is. I mean, he does know, but but you weren't even willing to answer the question of where he is. You, You didn't help him make this meeting with me, God. What have you done? You haven't taken care of your brother. You've actually killed your brother. What have you done? We need to be intentional with our days, and we need to to be intentional with stepping into the empowerment that Jesus has given us, not just for us, but to empower other people. And there is nothing that you can do about the question of what you have done. God comes to you right now and says, what have you done? There's nothing, you can't go back in time and change that. But what you can do is the next time that he asks you that, you can have a different answer. You can change that question from what have you done to what will you do? Are you willing to take the power, the love, the grace, the mercy, the salvation, all that God has given you, the knowledge, the wisdom, the revelation, the understanding, are you willing to take that and offer it to someone else? Because if not, you're living a selfish Christianity, one that, that is not fully biblical. Now, now again, this, listen, I got that. That's difficult. That's hard. I got it. But we're empowered to do it, and we're expected to do it. And when I get to heaven, I, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I don't want to hear, what have you done? Why did you take all of that and think it was just for you? Why did you not, why were you so stingy with that? Why did you think that sharing that or giving that would somehow harm you? Like, as if you came up with this, as if you accomplished that, as if you did that on your own anyway. No, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And the word of our testimony, our story. If you don't even know where to start, start with your story because there is power in your story. But we have to be people that are intentional and selfless and loving enough to say this empowerment that Jesus has given me is not just for me. And God, who is it that you want me to share this with? Who is it that you want me to give this to? Who do you want me to pour out what you have poured in? And God will lead you to that person. And God will drastically and eternally change their lives and your lives. We got to be willing to do it. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.